Hello and welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church here in Maryville, Tennessee. We post our Sunday messages here each week, as well as our conversations episodes, which include interviews, special announcements, and in-depth teaching. You can visit vineyardchurch.us to learn more about us or to access the audio archive. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. And now, here's the episode. Well, good morning, Maryville Vineyard. I'm going to go ahead and invite you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Galatians. We're uh, going to be in Galatians chapter 5 this morning, continuing in our Galatians series. And in particular, we're going to be looking at verses 16 through 26 of chapter 5 today. It's kind of a popular section of scripture. You've probably heard about it, talked before and that is the fruit of the Spirit. I also want to welcome those who are online this morning. Glad that you guys could be with us. We're going to be hitting some other scriptures along the way, but that Galatians 5 scripture is going to be our main focus this morning. In case you're newer here at Vineyard, my name is Chris Carpenter. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and in particular, if you were here last Sunday, I'm that pastor that Aaron mentioned Uh, I'm the one who had food poisoning last week. I greatly appreciate all the prayers and the sympathies and the concerns and all the emails that I got during the course of the week, but I also understand that there was a bit of a rumor going on that I got food poisoning to get out of a small bet, all right? Sky Dunford and I had a little sweatshirt wager on the Alcoa Maryville football game I live in Alcoa, She's, uh, she attends Maryville High School. I lost, and so I was supposed to wear a Maryville sweatshirt last Sunday to church. So the question and the rumors were, was I really sick? Or was I just trying to get out of the bet? Well, first of all, as much as I hate to go against my Alcoa community and my friends and wear Maryville colors, Eating bad food to get sick is a bit extreme, I would think, right? And my wife will attest to the loud noises that were coming from the bathroom at 2 a.m. on Saturday night, all right? So even I wouldn't go that far. But second, to show that I do keep my promises, there you go. There you go. Thanks to uh, the Dunfords for the use of Caleb's football sweatshirt from last year. I told them in the first service because they were attending that if they want to get it later, they could probably fish it out of the pond that's in the back. Um, I just celebrated my second anniversary of being on staff here at Vineyard as the discipleship pastor here. I get the privilege of working with men's ministry a lot and our core groups as well. By the way, gentlemen, small plug. Uh, Mark it on your calendars, January 26th and 27th of next year. It's a Friday and Saturday. We're going to have a men's retreat for you guys right here at the church. More information is going to come about it soon, but it's going to be an awesome, awesome time. So remember those dates, January 26th and 27th. But I've been here for about two years, and I can honestly say I've loved every moment of my time here at the Vineyard. And that's really because of the awesome staff that I work with, but as well as I've gotten to meet so many of you and work with you throughout, throughout these couple of years, you've really made this place just a home. 
uh, for me and my family, and I just greatly appreciate that. A little bit more about me, I'm 51 years old. I had one of the youth group come up to me on a Sunday morning a few weeks ago, and he thought I was 29. He instantly became my best friend. It was great. Uh, he was probably trying to score some points in some way. I understand that. Uh, make me not feel bad, but I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. But I am 51. I've been uh, married to my wife, Jean, for 23 years now. Just celebrated that anniversary. And we have a 14, almost 15-year-old daughter, Hannah, who is a freshman in high school, which means if you're a parent of teenagers, you know this, it gives me access to pretty much all the knowledge of the universe. Because you hear things so often like, I know, Dad, I know. So she knows everything. So I have all the knowledge at my hand. The wisdom that comes from this area every Sunday morning is absolutely incredible. But 51 years of my life and for 30 years of that, I've been walking with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, I was saved by the Lord at age 21 during my junior year in college at the University of Tennessee. It's by his incredible and inexhaustible grace that I get to stand before you today with the honor to speak God's word to you. Now, some of what comes with walking with Jesus for 30 years is the ability to look back on one's life and do some comparison and contrast, all right? So you've probably done this before in your own lives. You look at who you are now compared to who you once were. Um, maybe you look at your life now compared to when you were in college, maybe back in high school, or if you're married now, you compare to who you are now as married to who you were maybe when you were a single man or woman. In the context of life with Christ, I can look back on some of my years before 21 and remember who I was when I was not walking with Jesus. And it's an easy confession to say this, that before my conversion, I was walking down a path of life that was not good. Now, you can probably say that any path that is not stamped as the pathway of Christ can probably be recognized as a bad path in some way. But my life, uh, for lack of a better term, it just wasn't healthy. It just wasn't healthy at all. I was drinking as early as high school and in those years and beyond. I was mean-spirited quite a lot. It was a very easy thing to set me off uh, just with a few words. I, I had a whole lot of anger issues for different reasons. I was rebellious, uh, particularly against my parents in so many ways. I felt the rules didn't apply to me. Um, you know, sometimes when you're younger, you feel that way. I could go on and on and on. Uh, just as an example, I remember I went to a summer camp after my junior year in high school, so that would put me around 16, 17 years old. The camp was down at the University of Georgia, down in Athens, Georgia. I met a girl while I was down there. Not a big deal, but I did. And about a month after we got back, Word got around that a bunch of the, the kids that were at this camp that lived around UGA were going to come together again. This is back, by the way, in the days of writing letters and before cell phones and all that good stuff. So we got a letter saying, hey, it would be really awesome if the two Tennessee boys could come and visit us again. 
And so my friend and I, Kurt, uh, my friend Kurt and I, tried to figure out a way, how could we get down to the University of Georgia? And we made it happen. And we made it happen by me lying to my parents that I was working at my job at the local pool all day long. I was taking a long shift. And then I drove my parents' car to Athens, Georgia to hang out with these other kids and this girl for the day, all right? Long story short, too late, I drove back. I was dropping my friend off at his house only to have his older brother run out to my car to tell me that my parents had been looking for me all day long. They had been calling and calling and they were frantic because they couldn't find me. Seems as though my father had taken the day off from work because he was going to play golf that day and he left his golf spikes in the trunk of the car that I was driving. And so he showed up in my work, there was no car, and there was no me. The rest of the summer was a blur. It was a blur. All that to say, I was a very selfish kid and I thought I was invincible. I thought I was fine. I really did. Uh, I, I actually thought life was pretty cool. But the truth was, I was anything but fine. And I was anything but cool. I was on a pretty destructive pathway for my life. And if you kind of even keep looking at a few of the years after high school into college, uh, you would see a, continue, a continuing spiral in the wrong direction. Even though on the outside, I painted a pretty awesome facade for my life. I mean, I, it looked like everything was great, but on the inside, it wasn't. And so when I finally began this relationship with Jesus at 21, it was a big deal. I mean, my family was blown away at my decision to follow Jesus. I was blown away by it. My friends were blown away by it. People just didn't see it coming. But Jesus did his thing, praise be to God. And so the journey begins with Christ, right? It's kind of this new path. And that was one of the first things that I had to learn, right? Jesus not only gifted me with his salvation by his grace through faith in him, but Jesus was giving me a new path with new purpose to live by. Because see, at the beginning, I was naive enough to think, okay, I'm saved, thank you, Jesus, I'm going to heaven one day, on with life, on with life. Kind of the stay on course attitude to take. But thanks to people that immediately came around my life after my conversion, they taught me things, they discipled me, I learned very quickly that the salvation of Christ, as great as the promises that this means for a believer's life, that salvation is just the beginning. Now, it's a pretty awesome beginning, wouldn't you agree? Salvation, pretty awesome beginning. It's like being handed the keys to a Mercedes from the get-go. Now, I don't have a Mercedes, but I'm just kind of guessing that would be pretty cool. But I learned quickly that what comes with Christ's salvation is a new way, a totally new way of looking at life with a new path and with a new purpose. And we find this purpose from the very beginning of Scripture. 
If we take a look at Genesis chapter 12 in verses 1 through 3, the words are going to come up on the screen for us. This is the Lord speaking to Abram, who we later know as Abraham. And he's calling Abram to himself. He's calling Abram to a new life to live. And he says to him, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And it's in those words that we find mission and purpose, but not just for Abram, but for all after Abram that come into the family of God, for all that put their faith in God. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, this purpose is for you. It's for me and you. We are to be a blessing. So not only does salvation for the believer kind of bring the vertical relationship between ourselves and God into focus where we place our hope and faith in him, we look to him for strength and power and grace and love, etc., etc. He blesses us and he gifts us with his Holy Spirit and then that spirit speaks truth and understanding into our lives. We then are to be a blessing to God by proclaiming his deity, by proclaiming the greatness of the, his word, we are to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ for all ears to hear. But you will be a blessing also gives us a horizontal purpose of blessing others. Blessing others as well. As believers, we have inherited the blessing placed upon Abram to go and to be a blessing to others. That's purpose. That's mission. Similarly, it's also the words that Jesus speaks in the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. In other words, take the blessing that you have been given which is this relationship with Jesus and all the promises and all the blessing that comes with it, take that and go be a blessing to others so that they too can go and be a blessing to others and on and on and on. When we speak the words here at Vineyard of joining God in the renewal of all things, it is a picture of joining God in his blessing by being a blessing to others. Because ultimately, it's this picture of having Jesus who lives in us through the Holy Spirit coming out to bless those around us. So there, here's a couple of dust statements. I like to do this in each of my sermons. All right, a couple of dust statements. Here's a question for each of us to ask ourselves. This purpose God has given us to be a blessing, do we just know it? You should know it. I told you this morning, so you have no excuses. You know it now. Do you just know it, though, or are you living it? Relationship with Jesus goes beyond just our salvation. And I think that's important to say, even though it's a dust statement, because one, 
I believe there's too many Christians that are satisfied with just being saved and not striving to be a blessing. We've got salvation in our hands. It's kind of got get out of jail free card that we have. And we're coming to church on Sunday and we're doing the churchy things. But are we really being a blessing to others? Are we walking out that purpose and that call? As well, I think there are churches that play the game. That once a person is saved, then they've kind of done their job as a church, right? And there's no discipleship that takes place from that time forth. I thank God so much that the church where I was saved just didn't let me go forward in my life status quo because if I had been left to go and try to figure this Christian thing out all by myself, there's a good chance I probably would have fallen back into some of those harms that were authoring my life just before. And I thank the Lord when someone comes to Christ here at Vineyard and for anybody who enters the doors here at Vineyard, we long to continue the discipleship with you. We want to give you opportunities to be discipled as well as opportunities to disciple others. And then a second death statement kind of relates to it as well for all of us to realize is that this life has purpose now. The life to come is going to be what it is, and it's going to be incredible, guys. I can't wait. Bring it on. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Make it happen. My wife absolutely hates it when I say things like that because it sounds like I just want this life to end, and I do. I do. And I don't. And I don't because I want to see what the next 23 years of marriage to Jean is going to behold. And I want to see my, my daughter graduate. Please, Lord, let her graduate. I want to see her possibly get married one day. I want to possibly hold my grandchild one day. We're seven. You know, I want all of that. But I also don't because as believers in Christ, we have a purpose to walk in now, now. Christopher Wright says it in this really intellectual way in his book, uh, The Mission of God. So all you smart people out here are like this. He says this, the work of redemptive and restorative blessing will take place within and for the created order, not in some other heavenly or mythological realm beyond it to which we can escape. It is creation that is broken by human sin, so it is creation and humanity together that God intends to mend. Sounds like joining God in the renewal of all things, doesn't it? And since it was by human hands that sin and evil have invaded life on earth, it would be by human means that God would act to redress it. I'm gonna dumb that statement down for us a lot. We have work to do now. We have God's great work to do now. We have purpose. There is a purpose for our lives now. We are to be a blessing now. This has been God's redemptive mission since the fall. This was the message of his son Jesus as he lived his life 
to his disciples and others. This is the purpose that we, the church, need to come around and embrace and desire to live out now, and that is to be a blessing. A couple of questions for us to ponder. How many of us have the status of Christian, but we're kind of choosing to wait to walk in the purposes of such a status? Like we kind of say to ourselves, well, I'll get there one day. You know, life is, life's just so busy. You know, I'm in the middle of my job stuff and family life is hectic. And, you, you know, I just got so much going on. So one day I'll get to that Christian purpose for my life, that God thing that he wants me to be all about. I'll get there, but I just can't get there now. Or how many of us have, have the opportunity to be a blessing to others, yet continue in the, to walk in the ways of what I like to call previous ownership. Let me explain a little bit more of what I mean by that second statement. We're going to see from the book of Galatians chapter 5, two lists from the Apostle Paul. And then within these two lists, we're going to really see what it is. It's, it's a battle that's going on for our lives. It's a battle that's going on for our worship. It's a daily battle for which path are we going to choose to walk. Now, Paul describes these two lists. The first is the desires of the flesh, and then it's verses walking by the Spirit. So here we go in Galatians 5, starting in verses 16 through 17. Paul says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. See, we have natural inclinations. Even with the Holy Spirit living in us, we have natural inclinations to walk in the desires of the flesh. It truly is a daily battle, as I'm sure all of us can attest. I miss a three-foot straight putt to shoot 80 on the golf course for the first time in my life. My inclination is to get mad, yell out a bunch of cuss words, and throw my putter into the pond next to the green, right? But I know that walking by the Spirit can defeat that inclination and to simply realize and chuckle because I'm just playing a game and I'm getting to do it with friends and it's actually a fun thing to be doing and a missed putt is not going to alter the course of my history or the course of anybody else's history. It's just not that big of a deal. And so walking by the Spirit can defeat the inclination of the desires of the flesh. The Apostle Paul has his famous doo-doo speech, as I and others like to call it. Romans 7, he says this, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. 
for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. As believers in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, which means God's righteousness is there. It lives within us, but we must remain aware of how far short of God's righteousness we fall when it comes to his standard, which is Jesus. That's why Paul later on in that same chapter of Romans 7 says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And the answer to that question, my friends, is Jesus. He's the way. And he shows us the way as well. If we go back to Galatians 5, Paul now gives these two lists. And he starts with the desires of the flesh. In verse 19, he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is saying this is one path you could choose from. And let me address quickly that last line in these verses. He is speaking of people who do such things as a pattern of life. In other words, there is no battle going on within. They've fully given themselves over to such ways. These are people who don't have that Holy Spirit in them trying to help them resist such ways. A Holy Spirit who helps to sanctify one's life to keep from doing and to defeat these ways. Now, if you look at that list, it's a pretty exhaustive list. And the scary part is that it says, and things like these. So there's a whole lot more that Paul just didn't even list here, right? And there's th- now there's things that you might look up there and say, well, that's pretty extreme. I don't know if that's really happening anymore in 2023. But I tell you, in Paul's day and today, each and every one of the desires of the flesh are well accounted for in the norms of society. Every single one of them. So that's one path. That's one way to live. But then Paul says another path is walking by the Spirit or the fruits of the Spirit. Verse 22, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I guess against such things there is no law. I had a mentor of mine, good friend, explain the fruit of the Spirit in this way. I've never forgotten it. He said the fruit of the Spirit are the fullness of who Jesus Christ is and the standard for who we are to be. I'm going to repeat that. He said that the fruit of the Spirit are the fullness of who Jesus Christ is and the standard for who we are to be. We are to be like Jesus. You want to know what that means? You want to know what that looks like? There you go. It looks like the fruit of the Spirit. And I believe if we look at Scripture and look at how Jesus conducted his life day by day, that's the picture that we're going to find. Notice that it's not about accomplishments. 
It's not about status in life. It's about who we are. It's not about how high up on the totem pole you are. It's not about how popular you can get. It's about who you are to be. And this fruit then leads us into doing God great things. Now here's the really good news for all believers in Christ. As Aaron likes to say, kind of lean in because this is big to hear, all right? Because we have Christ in us, the hope of glory, that's Colossians 1.27. Because we have Christ in us, we don't have to figure out and conjure up some way this fruit of the Spirit. It's there because we have Christ. We don't have to figure out patience. We don't have to figure out how to be kind or gentle or loving or peaceful because we have Christ and because we have him, we look to him. We have the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are there for us to grasp onto and share with others. We've been given this fruit to live by. We've been given them not only in a way to battle the desires of the flesh, but use them to defeat the desires of the flesh. And then in the process, have others experience the ways of Christ as well as we act in such a way. Now, I will say this. These fruits take practice. Everything takes practice. These fruits take practice, and we must look to Christ always to learn how we are to act in such ways. Because past experiences, maybe abuse that we've had in our own lives or hardships that we've walked out in life, they can sometimes skew our understanding of what this fruit means or what this fruit could look like, whether it's love, patience, self-control, any of them. So we have to continuously look to Christ for understanding through the Holy Spirit of what these fruits truly mean for us and truly look like, how they're lived out in our lives. As well as looking at Christ, we have, we have to have the help of other brothers and sisters in Christ who can be examples for us and hold us accountable in our lives. I, I think of one of them, I think of patience. I used to have, especially before Jesus, none. Zero on the patient scale. Now, over the years, I feel I've grown to have more and more because of my relationship with Jesus. And I love how God teaches me patience and how to be patient more. First, it's the example that I see of my Savior Jesus in his word. How he was patient with his disciples and others. Think of his disciples, you know? They would always question him. Why are we over and over and over again? You would think Jesus, after a while, would go, guys, how many times do I got to say it? But he's patient with them. He's patient with the crowds as well. Then I have godly people in my life that I can look to as an example of how to be patient with others. But as well, I believe God gives us opportunities in this fruit. In this example, he gives us opportunities to be patient. 
I saw a movie one time, and I believe it was Morgan Freeman who said these words in the movie. And he said something to the fact, I'll probably mess up the exact verbiage, but he says, if a man prays for courage, does God just give him courage? Or does he give him opportunities to be courageous? If someone prayed for, the, for his family to be closer, do you think God zaps them with warm, fuzzy feelings for one another? Or does he give them opportunities to love one another? And in the same way, we can pray for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And yeah, I wouldn't put it past God to zap us in the moment and say, here you go. And then it just kind of, where did it come from? He's that powerful, right? But I also think we grow through God giving us the opportunities to grow in that fruit, to bless others by that fruit of the Spirit. And so it comes down to this, and I know this is a daily moment by moment, but do we choose to walk in our flesh, ignoring and resisting not only the fruit that Jesus has made available for us to live by, but the purpose that God has given us in being a blessing? Or do we choose to seek the Lord, to walk in his purpose, to walk in that pathway, walk in the ways of the Spirit, and be that blessing to God and glorifying him in all of who we are and what we do, and to others in how we interact with them and serve. Now, as I said before, I'm 51 years old, child of God for 30 years. And I can look back at my life before Jesus and say, now I know I'm a better person today. I'm a better man today because of my relationship with Jesus. And hopefully there are those in this world that can attest to that. But in full confession mode in the moment, I'm going to say this. I am not the husband God has fully called me to be. I am not the father to my daughter God has fully called me to be. I am not a friend to my friends God has called me to be. I am not the coworker I should be. I'm not the pastor that I should be. I fall short in those areas of life. If you can relate, can you just give me an amen? That's just to make me feel better. <laughs> it's also to make sure you're still with me this morning. But I still choose to get angry at times. I choose to be sarcastic way too many times. I choose to be selfish with my time. I choose to ignore hard and stressful things that come up in life. I choose to be lazy. I choose to be stupid. I still get jealous. The list can go on and on. I choose some of these desires of the flesh at times. So what do I do with that? When I recognize that in myself, when we recognize that in ourselves, what do we do with that? I'm gonna tell you what I do with that in the moment. I weep. I weep. Now, I'm a natural crier, so I weep a lot anyhow. But I weep, especially in these moments. 
and I weep because I know that God has given me a true and better way to live my life. Not easier, but better. And yet, I choose not to walk in that. I choose to move away from the things that God has given me in my life. Why would I do that? Why would I do that? And it makes me weep. And so I weep. And then I confess. And as you may know, confession of sin can be one of the hardest and one of the humblest things anyone can do. And in that moment, you may feel as weak as you can possibly feel in the moment, like food poisoning at 2 a.m. weak. But then at the same time, maybe the very next second when you confess, you feel stronger than you ever have. The strongest you could ever be. Because in confessing, we are walking in the confidence of God's forgiveness. We sang about his forgiveness earlier this morning. That all of our sins have been paid for by his death on the cross. And his forgiveness can lift the weight of sin off our shoulders. And we not only ask then, but we plead, plead that the Holy Spirit would continue to sanctify us and have us grow to help defeat the sin that's within. We know he can because he's God. And it's his desire to bless us. And it's his desire for each and every one of us to be a blessing and to live our lives by the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to go into our time of Selah. I invite the worship team to come on back up. But as we enter this time, I'm going to finish up Galatians 5, and it finishes this way. It says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, I want us to notice a, a couple of things from these last verses. First, look at the pronouns, we and us, that are used here. Friends, this is a team effort. Now, I understand the Christian walk as we walk it out. We kind of do this on an individual level. But we are meant to walk out the Christian life in community with one another as a part of the church with one another. We are to be a blessing to one another and help one another continue to be a blessing. So I'm gonna encourage you, do not fight this battle that Paul speaks of here in Galatians 5 alone. Now obviously you're fighting it with Jesus on your side. That's a great thing but also that remember that God has given you brothers and sisters in Christ to fight this battle with. That's community life. So I encourage you to find community if you can. And if you don't know how to go about doing that, come speak to me. Come speak to a bunch of us here at the Vineyard. We wanna plug you into community life to help grow together 
one with each other. Second, Aaron has spoken again and again of the makeup of the believing Jews and the believing Gentiles in the church at Galatia as we've been going through this uh, series. And hence why Paul wrote in the first place this letter to them. He was encouraging them to love one another and have understanding for one another. Because as we know, if you've been a part of this series, they didn't always see eye to eye with things. One group thought you do things one way. One group thought you do things the other way. There was a lot of mixture in that. But their one greatest commonality, and this is where Paul was trying to bring them to all the time. The one greatest commonality was their belief in Jesus Christ. And that's what kept them united. That's where unity came from, was the relationship with Jesus. It's Jesus who keeps the church strong. So I'm gonna personalize this for us this morning. Maryville Vineyard, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. One person here should not be looked upon or look upon themselves as greater than another. Or on the flip side is less than someone else either. Because we're all children of God. We're all followers of Jesus. We're all blessed. And we're all created to be a blessing. And so then he finishes by saying, let's keep in step with the Spirit. The picture is walking in line behind the leader. Jesus is our leader. The path is outlined by the fruit of the Spirit. And when we walk in that fruit, we're interacting with the Holy Spirit and we're joining God as he renews all things. And he's calling us to be the love of Christ, to share the joy of Christ, to reveal the peace of Christ, to always be patient to show kindness and goodness to others, to be faithful to God, to be gentle in spirit, and to have that self-control, especially when we miss those three-foot putts in life. So I just want us to take a moment in prayer to ponder how God has called you to the purpose of being a blessing. When he saved you, he gave you a new life with a new path and a new reason for living. Let's take a hold of it. Hold firm to it. Have confidence in it. And yeah, it could be hard, but together, we stay the course with one another.